What up? We are back in the studio today. It is time to get the ball rolling. We are back today, and today is our first uh, kind of recap slash preview into uh, the next week. We are done with our preview episodes where we're going over teams, having coaches come on, kind of talking about this upcoming season. We are now past that point in getting the ball rolling, and this last Saturday we were able to get a couple games under our belt. Now, it wasn't much. But it was enough to keep me going uh, until Thursday. Uh, I really enjoyed Week Zero. I'm grateful for the 150th season. A lot of cool uh, things coming up for the 150th season. It looks like a lot of uh, interesting little dynamics there. And uh, we were able to kick off uh, the 150th season uh, the game between Nova, Villanova Wildcats, and the Colgate Raiders. Now, we were very fortunate uh, here at Get the Ball Rolling that both teams uh, decided to come on the show and were able to talk to us a little bit, uh, the Colgate Raiders and uh, the Villanova Wildcats. Now, I was really excited. I got back from my cross-country uh practice we we practice about uh we practice at five in the morning uh so i got back i showered and then i was able to turn on the tv and it was awesome it was everything that i wanted to uh, i was jumping around my wife was laughing at me because i was jumping around so much and i was so excited now uh i'm not going to lie this the the outcome of this game really surprised me we're going to kind of dissect that uh like i said on the show we'll be going over uh teams that we have had on the show uh we're definitely becoming the pac-12 of the mountain west a lot uh we'll be giving our games of the week and stuff like that so so first off we uh we we get this colgate and villanova game and at first uh, my first impression of the game was Villanova was out there ready to go. They came out with a lot of energy. Uh, they seemed that they wanted it a lot more. It seemed that uh, the Colgate Raiders they were a little bit slower on the like on their on the offensive side. Uh, it was looking we were looking for things to to, to kind of gel for Colgate. You could tell that they had gotten in some good practice, and I was able I, I was follow them on social media and stuff, was able to get a lot of, uh, like, little snippets of their practice and stuff, and it looked like they, they had worked hard, uh, and they, it looked like they just needed to gel. They just needed to come together. Uh, but uh, it, throughout the first quarter, I mean, it was, uh, it was really back and forth. I was actually really surprised, one of the biggest surprises. Uh, we also had Campbell football on the show for, for uh, the friends of the show, and... I remember, or I remember doing my research for Campbell, uh, on Daniel Smith, and I did not know that he had entered the, the transfer portal. Well, Daniel Smith, that was at Campbell and had a really good season, last couple seasons, he did really well. He is now transferred to Villanova, so he surprised me, and he looked like a veteran out there. Uh, for a kid that just barely transferred and just barely moved to, uh, Villanova, to be able to pick up the, the offense, Again, I don't know when uh, exactly they transfer. Sometimes they transfer in the winter. Sometimes they have to hold off till spring, depending on semesters and stuff like that. But it really looked like he was in charge of that offense. It looked like the players respected him uh, that to get the ball to him, and that was one of the biggest things. When I when I talked to Villanova, uh, I remember uh, talking to Coach uh, Sean Devine, and I remember asking him, "How do you coach young? Because uh, they have a lot of young guys. I believe there was only one or two seniors on the offense." 
offensive side of the ball that started. Uh, and so they, they, they're they're very raw, very raw talent. And he said, honestly, we're going to kind of figure out as we go. And it looked at this team. This team was young. They came out throwing the ball all over. And in the first the first quarter, I mean, it was 0-0. And then the tide swish, switched significantly to the Villanova Wildcats. They scored 27 points uh, in the second quarter, kind of just punched Colgate right in the mouth, and it was kind of surprising. Uh, but to add to that, uh, a lot of times when you look at the final score, you know, 34 to 14, you're like, oh, wow, well, you know, Nova dominated the game. Really, even in the second quarter, uh, they had a pick six that Grant Brenneman, he just threw behind him. I mean, it was it, the guy was open. It was number eighty-one, the wide receiver. He just threw a little behind him. Uh, the cornerback Amos, uh, number six, was able to reach out to get a hold of that and uh, take it back for uh, six. So you know, he threw a little bit behind him. And then, also a little bit earlier in that quarter, Colgate got the ball. I believe they got it around the 20 or the 15-yard line. And they marched the ball all the way down, and they ended up having a fumble uh, really close down, in, in, really close to the red zone. I don't know if it was on the 20 or, or inside the 20, but I remember watching that and going, man, that deflates an offense. Now, good for Villanova. You know, you were able to force two turnovers, and that was really the story of the game. They got two turnovers. They got 14 points off that turnover. You subtract 14 points from uh, from that score. It's 20 to 14. We're in a whole different ball game where, where, where it's a little bit closer, but that really opened it up. Uh, Daniel Smith was able to get a rushing uh, touchdown there and really just kind of put the game uh, out of reach. I was really impressed. I'll give you guys a little, a couple of my impact players. Uh, Chenga Hodge uh, for Villanova. He really stood out to me. Uh, I really liked him uh, on the offensive side of the ball outside of Daniel Smith. Those two were uh, really big. Uh, number three, Justin Covington. He is the captain there. Uh, he's only a junior and he looked uh, in form and ready to go. On the defensive side for the Villanova Wildcats, I was really uh, impressed with number 92, Fisher. Uh, he got after it. He got a couple of, uh, you know, disruptions. When you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, you're looking at it, you're like, okay, what what is going on here? Uh, and if you're not getting sacks or you're not getting tackles, but you're disrupting, those are the impact players. I like number 92. And I like number six, obviously, uh, Amos, who was able to return it to the house on the pick six. Now, on the Colgate side of the ball, I was watching really closely. I think that this team still has a lot of talent. I think a lot of what has to do with this Colgate team is timing. Uh, they do a lot of read options they were where they're going off of it and and stuff like that and i think that it will just take a week it, it, we needed they needed this week uh to to kind of you know get back get hit a little bit and we'll see how they end up playing against air force but it really is a lot of timing uh timing routes and and schemes on the offensive side of the ball and you know what they ended up losing they started a ton of uh first time starters they Obviously, game experience is, is the best experience. Uh, they were they were outgained uh, 444 yards to 288, despite controlling the time of possession. So uh, I really was impressed with Grant Brenneman. Uh, he was able to go to the, the Manning Passing Academy. I still think he's going to do amazing things. Uh, this Villanova team, 
uh, last year. Not, I mean, not to kind of douse the fire or whatever, but they did come out and they beat Temple, kind of came out really strong this last year, and then they went 5-6 and six throughout the season. So uh, we're going to keep tabs on this team. I was impressed with them, but we're definitely going to be keeping tabs. Uh, so, And I kind of think that this is the same thing. They came out, they punched Colgate in the mouth. Colgate wasn't ready. Uh, Colgate has always had an experienced defense. They had a lot of uh, newcomers on the defensive side of the ball. So... I think there was a kind of a, a perfect mixture there, but give credit for Villanova for winning. And then uh, uh, number four, Abu Darmi Soiree. He had 11 tackles. He was all flying all over the place. And you want to know what? Daniel Smith was throwing it right at him, and he made a lot of plays that could have been big plays that stopped it. He did let one uh, kind of uh, devil move. I believe that was from Chang Hodge in the second quarter. He kind of did a devil move to the inside and then went back to the outside. Uh, and kind of left him in the desk. But number four, uh, Abu Dharmi Soiree, he's definitely going to be playing on Sunday. I really liked him. Brought the house. He tackles hard. Really impressive. Uh, and then number 84, the wide receiver for Colgate. Really big, really good hands. And also Nick Wheeler. I was able to see his sack in the second quarter. He came up with uh, one sack and four tackles. So that was kind of our... Uh, Villanova and Colgate preview. Uh, again, we're going to be following these teams. Really impressed with with both teams. Uh, obviously, a little bit more with Villanova, but uh, I've seen this story before. We'll see how they play uh, coming up next week as they take on Lehigh. Uh, and then they have a couple more games. A lot of people are saying they can get to 3-0 heading into that Townsend game. Uh, but this team has a really tough schedule. This Nova team, uh, as I said before, they will play at Townsend. They will play home against Maine. They play at James Madison. They play at New Hampshire. And they end up, they finish off uh, the, the season with Delaware. So uh, the CAA is no joke, but it was a good way to start off the season uh, 1-0. And up next for the Colgate Raiders, they will be taking on the Air Force Falcons. It will be the first week for Air Force. And uh, despite losing this game, uh, Colgate fans, I think you can kind of take comfort in, again, a lot of timing and stuff like that. I still think uh, this team is vastly superior in the Patriot League. I think they still end up winning it by by a lot. Uh, this Air Force team is... Uh, again, it's a run first, and uh, I, I expect Nick Wheeler to have a really big game. I, they don't pass a lot, so uh, be watching that defensive line and those linebackers against Air Force. If there is a team, uh, you've got your timing down a little bit better. You've gone through the motions of game day. Get ready for this Air Force game. I don't know if they upset. I would love it if they would. I think it would be a lot of fun for Colgate to be able to go to uh, Colorado Springs and get the win, but we will see. So that was uh, kind of it. I know it was a really kind of an in-depth analysis uh, to start off this show, but I have to give uh, those guys the nod, especially where both of them have been on the on the show. Really uh, grateful for them, and we're going to definitely be following them throughout the season. Uh, the next game after the Colgate and Villanova game was the Youngtown State Penguins playing on the taking on the Sanford Bulldogs. It was kind of a, a FCS uh, party down there, and. Uh, a lot of people were impressed with this, uh, this Youngstown's team, and a lot of people and and who I've been able to talk to, they're saying, okay, this team could go four and zero. We're looking at a four and zero team. Uh, they do have to play Duchesne. They do get them at home though. Um, and this kind of looked like they ran over everybody. You know, Bo Pelini is there from Nebraska. 
Uh, Samford, despite a couple of years, they went seven. They won seven games, eight games, and last year they won six. So definitely, I mean, last year kind of coming off a disappointing season from years past, they were able to go to the the playoffs a couple years ago. So. Uh, I don't know a lot about these teams, but I was able to say that number seven, this uh, Maze kid, he is legit. The quarterback for Youngstown State, he looked like a pro out there. He was commanding the offense. They ran it all over the place. They had a couple other uh, personnel groups in there. Really impressed with the running backs. It was definitely... uh, you know, strength by committee. I kind of felt like the Sanford team was just outmatched. I thought the offensive line did a great job for Youngstown State. Uh, Sanford, they definitely, on the offensive side, they had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, wow, that was kind of cool, but uh, very few and far between. Uh, and I think Youngstown, their their Achilles heel it was their secondary. A couple of big plays were let go, but they ended up getting the win regardless, and they were able to beat the Bulldogs of Sanford. Definitely be following this Youngstown team. They have a really high stock market indicator on my uh, that that I do. I believe they're a plus six. Uh, kind of struggled the last couple years, and they do. I mean, they play in the Missouri Valley, and the Missouri Valley is tough no matter what. And their last uh, couple of weeks are. Are brutal. I know they play North Dakota State. I know they play uh, South Dakota. I know they play Northern Iowa. I know they play Illinois State. So we're going to see how these guys play against them. Obviously, they're going to be the they, people are saying, you know, they win the first four. This could be a playoff team. Well, you know, four and all, that's great. But if you can't produce in the Missouri Valley uh, against tough competition, how are, how are you going to be voted in to go to the college football playoffs? So or the not the college football playoffs, the FCS playoffs. Definitely a team to watch, though, out of the Missouri Valley. Um, I think that as we watch them and kind of how it unfolds, if this you know run first kind of ground and pound uh, old style of football will be against uh, you know a team like North Dakota State, a team like South Dakota, and uh, I think South Dakota will do great. I've said that before. So uh, anyway, so. Up next, we'll be uh, continuing the show. We're going to have an ad break. After the ad break, we'll continue with our thoughts from the FBS and uh, probably do a little bit of a preview. We'll see what we have time for. But uh, there was our recap of the FCS games this last week, and uh, let's keep the ball rolling. All right, we are back after the ad break. Now, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the FBS. Um, We're not really... Uh, covering these teams super close in this, uh, I mean, as close as Nova and Colgate, but uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, our first FBS game of the of the night or of the year was Miami, uh, Florida, Miami University of Miami in Florida, and the Florida Gators. Now, this game had everything that you wanted it to have. It was a very, it was a, it was a game. I guess I guess it was as a typical uh, first game of the year, first game jitters, whatever you want to call it. But there was a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball. Uh, a lot of people have Florida potentially winning the SEC East, and that team last uh, last night. I would not put them near a championship. Uh, I thought that they're de- on the defensive side of the ball. They were stout. I absolutely loved uh, whatever they got going on on the defensive side of the ball. Keep it up. They have some monsters up there. Um, big old uh, number 92, Jabari uh, Zuniga. He was 
big in this game. Uh, Kyrie Campbell, number 55, the nose tackle, also was really big. Uh, I was surprised at how easily they were getting back to the quarterback. I was really impressed uh, overall with the, the Florida Gators in... In, in that aspect, in, in the aspect that they were getting back to the quarterback, and uh, they had a lot of sacks, forced a lot of turnovers. Now, on the flip side, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Miami uh, on the defensive side. I thought Miami played fairly well on the defensive side of the ball as well. They were able to, you know, obviously force the turnover that led to, like, the longest two minutes ever uh, when Felipe Franks uh, threw the turnover and Miami got it back, and then they got... Uh, 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 unsportsmanlike conduct from Al Blades, number seven, the cornerback, uh, doing something or yelling something at uh, the quarterback there, and then, I mean, it was just something. It was something else. It was. It was really kind of a crazy game. I, I, I just. I can't really even put words to it. I thought the quarterback there. Uh, you know, I thought he was a little. I thought the offense was a little hurried, I guess is is the word that I'm looking for. They wanted to, they were, you know, trying their hardest to to do everything right. I thought the quarterback held it uh, uh, really long, and... I thought the offensive line obviously didn't help him uh, in any in any way, but they are really young up front. The the only on the start on the starters, I think the oldest one they had was a junior, and obviously with Manny Diaz as his first year coach. But you know, defensive side of the ball, I was really impressed with uh, the the Miami Hurricanes. Offensive side of the ball, they still got to get some things. I honestly thought uh, the moment almost felt too big uh, for number fifteen, the quarterback. I thought that he. Uh, looked a little hurried, a, a little rushed, and just overall, he was just, I mean, the, it was a big moment for him, and he had to come up, and, and there were times where I thought that he would do a little bit better, but uh, he wasn't able to make the throws, and he took a lot of sacks, he held the ball, which when you're holding the ball and you're taking a lot of sacks, that's just either not getting the ball out on time, because you can't, I mean, you know, the amount of sacks that we're getting back, you can't blame 100% on the on the quarterback, 100% on the line, or 100% on the receivers not getting open, but I think it was a really big combination of that. Like I said, I liked both defenses, both offenses did not really impress me. I thought Felipe Franks... Uh, on the Florida side of the ball, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about the quarterback for Miami. I thought he was a little uh, underwhelming. I thought, you know, I watched them play at the end of uh, last year against the University of Michigan, and I thought he played, he balled out there, uh, but I wasn't really impressed uh, this last year. He throws a lot off of his front foot that I was noticing. I mean, this guy has a cannon, but I don't know. He was just, some of the mechanics, I was like a little... Uh, little worried about, but, you know, with this Florida team, up next they have uh, a bye, and then they have UT Martin and Kentucky, so, you know, they got a game against UT Martin, and they have a game against Kentucky, which I think they can, they can win both games, and then they're heading uh, home to play against Tennessee, Towson, Auburn, so it's not until a little bit later in the, the schedule once when it really starts cooking up for them, so they they can, they can could afford this game, but like Dan Mullen said after the game, they uh, the, a lot of the things that... that uh, 
that happened, a lot of mistakes, they can coach. It wasn't it wasn't a talent issue. It was more of a coaching. We got to coach these guys up. Let's make them better. Uh, Miami up next has a bye, obviously for week one, and then they are at North Carolina, which will be a really big game, I think. Uh, first of all, for Manny Diaz, and then for uh, Mac Brown. Uh, you know, first game. Uh, uh, first conference game against uh, University of Miami. Uh, people are saying North Carolina could be back with him at the helm. So we'll definitely be watching uh, that game. And as the season rolls on, the last game of the night was out in Hawaii. And everybody uh, on Twitter and on social media are is kind of overreacting to what happened uh, out there. Now, I do not want to take away from how good the University of Hawaii Played. Now, I'm going to say, uh, I want to give a break to Arizona on a few stances. Number one, when you had to travel out to Hawaii a couple years ago, uh, my family, well, last summer, not a couple years ago, last summer, my family and I, we went to the big island of Hawaii. And coming, we flew from Phoenix out to uh Kona, the uh, the big uh, the big island uh, on the dry side of the big island, and it took about six hours just just to get out there. So travel time was the longest I ever had experienced. I had flown to New York, but that was only five hours from Salt Lake, and uh, so you know travel time there. You're playing in a different time zone. I remember waking up at like four in the morning, and I was ready to go. I had slept good. I mean, I was tired at night, but I fell asleep about nine o'clock uh, Hawaii time. And, uh, I was up about four in the morning cause that's what my body was used to and got a good run in before the sun came up, was able to run along the beach. But so you got to understand that when a team goes to Hawaii, it's really difficult out there to be able to go out and win and, and, and be impressive. Now they did play really good, uh, offense. I was really impressed with the Cedric, uh, bird kid. He balled out. They were able to get the ball out to him. Uh, Cole McDonald had a really good game. Uh, Hawaii almost felt like they wanted to give it away in the second half, but they were uh, really close. But you know what? They held in there. They stuck in it. And they were able to come out on top. Their defense did it in the end. Now, uh, you look at Arizona, and obviously Arizona is uh was it was really kind of a a tough game for them uh, uh like I said a long trip out there uh kind of underwhelming performance but I don't know if I'm going to put it so much on Kevin Sumlin and his staff and Khalil Tate and everything but I'm going to put it more so on what happened before I think Kevin Sumlin needs to get his kids in the system uh and really just start coaching he's obviously a good coach he he did well with Johnny Manziel He was able to coach these these teams. Now, uh, as I look forward for the University of Arizona, I don't think that uh, Arizona fans need to worry yet. Now, if you drop a game against Northern Arizona, a game against Texas Tech, uh, a game against like UCLA or Colorado, you're gonna need you're gonna be a little worried. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, I I had Arizona with a slight edge against Hawaii and. It didn't end up working out. Uh, Hawaii obviously came out on top, and we're going to be following them, obviously, throughout the season to see how they end up doing. But you look at it, uh, Arizona's going to go home. Uh, they're going to take some time. They have three home games and a bye in the next, uh, you know, five weeks. And so, you know, rest up. Uh, you looked. You you were one yard away. Khalil Tate was one yard away. I think that he tries to do too much. I think he needs to rely on his playmakers like J.J. Taylor. I think that he needs to be able to get it out 
to his playmakers on the outside. And overall, I think they, they can still have a really good season. Uh, just because they had one bad game does not define the season as a whole. So, you know, like I said, they're going to take on Northern Arizona, Texas Tech. Texas Tech has a new quarterback. You're at, or not a new quarterback, sorry, excuse me, uh, a new coach. Uh, you're at home. You have Northern Arizona at home. You have UCLA, whom I don't think is going to play super well uh, this year. You got them at home. They're, you know, towards the bottom of the South. And then you're on the road against Colorado. You know, your next four or five weeks, six weeks are nothing to stress about. Now, when you get into the, gra- the, the grid of it, you got Washington, USC, Stanford. That's going to be tough. And you might might drop those three, but you know you're always you can always play the upset card. You can always uh, do that. So, like I said, do not fear Arizona fans. Uh, it was a tough game. It was a, a really long game, a long flight out to Hawaii. Uh, obviously, it takes a lot to be able to to prepare mentally, emotionally, to be able to play in a football game. First, you know, game. Uh, of the year, I need to get the timing stuff down. But like I said, Khalil Tate's got to be able to trust his uh, playmakers. He can't do everything. That's basically uh, kind of what were the notes that I wrote down there. But you know, uh like one, one of the things that uh, really from last football season that really stood out when uh, D Ford was lined up offsides and uh, they ended up throwing the offsides penalty. Tom Brady threw an interception, negated the interception. Chiefs could have won. Defense would have stopped him. And uh, Andy Reid went up to D Ford and he said, "We all could have been a couple inches better today." Well, that's all it is. Uh, you could tell Khalil Tate that we all could have been a couple inches better. It 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 does not matter. But rebound. Let's get back to it. We'll see how they do. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of interested, and I told my coach this because he's a big U of A fan. Uh, Rich Rod's systems after he leaves kind of tends to crumble. Uh, West Virginia did all right after he left, and it really wasn't until Dana Holgerson until he really got rolling again, and then you look at Michigan. Uh, you had, I mean, you had Brady Hoke after. He really didn't help much, but you know, there's something about it. Rich Rod, he's just I mean, I like him as as a guy, as a coach and stuff, but his system, after he leaves, it kind of tends to crumble. Uh, so give Kevin Summon a little bit more time. Don't write him off yet. Uh, but anyway, so that was our kind of our recap. Uh, I would like, uh, essentially what I'd like is to do kind of a preview. Uh, that preview will be, be released on Friday. I'll probably end up recording it before Friday. Uh, so there will be some results, but we'll see uh, how that kind of turns out because we have some Thursday games. Uh, still going to be trying to do it every, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It'll be a lot easier once when we get into the flow of things. Like I said, we'll do a recap episode on Mondays uh, from the week before. This week we had Utah State preview to finish off our previews and then uh, we'll do an FCS uh, looking forward into the week and then an FBS looking forward into the week as we roll on with this college football 150 season so I hope you like the show hope you hopefully you guys uh, felt the same way I did about Colvin and Nova make sure to watch them throughout the season we'll keep me to keeping tabs there uh, definitely be following uh, Youngstown State seeing how they do in the Missouri Valley and obviously uh, everybody in the FBS so hope you guys liked it uh, don't be sure to like, comment, and share. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Until next time, keep the ball rolling.